Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back half of this hour, John Shannon, Reed Wilkins, front half, Louis DeBrusque, as we head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. River Cree Resort Casino, open 24-7, 365, excitement, bet on it. And uh, we hook up, courtesy of GCL Diesel, providing service, genuine diesel parts, and turbocharges at great prices for over 50 years. Visit GCLDiesel.com. We welcome back. Back to the show. Oh, he must have been uh, must have been a bit of a unique night last night for uh, Louis DeBras. Hello, Louis. How you doing? Hey, Bob. How you doing today? Yeah, it was. It was uh, a pretty uh, surreal, sweet night to uh, be between the benches for sure. It's the first time that I was down low and got to see my kid put one in the net. But what a game! I mean, it was an incredible game, and um, it was in the balance all the way to the end when it finished uh, in overtime. But Two teams that seemed to find a way to make it a tight game when it looked like it might be one-sided. Uh, Edmonton came back in third period. But just a phenomenal game and obviously just an amazing uh, feeling to see uh, your son put one in the net at close range, and uh, he was due. So it was great to see. Yeah, uh, they used him in a lot of situations, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, I know he has been used in a lot of situations this year. He's been doing penalty kill a lot more this year. He's, uh, you know, put out there in, in almost all different situations and overtime, regular play. So, you know, for him, that's kind of one of the things that he's built throughout his game over the years is, uh, you know, to be that all-around player. And I think that's just the Boston way, right? You could see the depth of their team. And when Geeky scored his 10th goal, the first goal of the game um, last night, that gave them, I believe, nine players with 10 or more goals and right. McAvoy scored his 10th um, later in the overtime which makes 10 players with 10 actually that was his ninth goal of the year so he'll be 10, 10 players with 10 or more goals very soon when he gets his 10th goal so they do it by committee they do it by depth and you know a lot of people ask me how they get the job done but that's part of it and you know for Jake uh, he, he's part of that too he's a big part of that yeah absolutely Louis DeBrus joining us by the way Louis I don't mean to pry too much did you, did you, are you, you got the game tomorrow for NHL Hockey and Rogers the orders of Minnesota did you go down to Calgary for the game tonight I'm in Calgary right now. Yeah, we're going to head to the game right after this. And looking forward to being a spectator, bud, to be honest with you. I, I don't get to watch, watch them live very often where I'm not working in the game. It's special yeah. when I do get to work the game, but it's very special when Cindy and I get to watch them together. And we haven't done that very much. We were trying to add up the games, you know, over the last seven years of his NHL career. And, and in Providence, it was even harder down the American Hockey League to oh, yeah. get away and find time. But you know, because um, the games are on the weekends all the time in the AHL. Um, so it makes it more difficult. But 
Yeah, we're, we're excited to be down here and watch the finals, and I'll pre-scout them for Saturday because I'm doing the Battle of Alberta on Saturday, which should be a great game as well. So I'll get a little pre-scouting in in the process. All right, so Louis, let me ask you this, and we'll get to the orders in a second, but as for Boston... What is it about the Bruins that, you know, because I thought, wow, when they lose Charles, they won't be the same. Well, they were still pretty good. <laughs> when they lose Bergeron, oh, no, no, they're not going to be, and they're still pretty good. What is it about their culture that allows them to succeed, Louis? You know, it's a good question, but I think it's exactly what you just said. And I think each, each player and each group of players that comes after the next learns from the ones before and I think it's, number one, the coaching staff. I think you have to look back to Claude Julian. You know, Claude Julian implemented what he we, he thought was a winning system, the one in the Cup in 2011. And, you know, he was a great coach. And then Cassidy took over and he essentially used the same system. And now Jim Montgomery with a few tweaks, a few tweaks here and there is similarly using the same system. So it's the way they play, the way they understand they want to play. They want to be a defensive team. They don't want to give you chances and they want to grind you, but they also select and pick players and acquire and sign players that play that style of game where they feel can play that style of game. And that's why sometimes you see players come on board with Boston that don't click right away, but then a, a year or two later, they start to be Boston Bruins. They start to play that way. And I think, you know, every team has, uh, you know, a vision of how they want their team to play the game, but Boston's vision has been this, and they've been it for a long time. This hasn't been something new for them. You know, I talked to a few of the players in the room before the Boston game, including Connor McDavid, and he says, listen, this team's done this for a long time. Yeah. It doesn't matter who they have in their lineup, whether they have superstars or not, you know they're going to work and they're going to make you grind and they're going to be layers of people that are going to be attacking it every time and they're going to close things out. They're willing to step in shooting lanes and block shots. And let's face it, they have great goaltending and they have had great goaltending for a long time. So that's kind of one of the ingredients they have to have. But when they build their team from the goaltender out, it's a defensive-minded system. And that's what it is still today. Uh, you know, it's interesting because they finished with 51 wins and then 60-plus, and they're on pace for over 50 this year. The Oilers, Louie, uh, 49 wins a couple of years ago with the coaching change. Last season they got to 50 wins. They're on pace for basically 48 to 52 wins. Are the Oilers starting to build a little bit of an identity, do you think? Yeah, I think they are. And, you know, I think for both teams last night, they got away from that identity. <laughs> you know, and I would tell you that I think both goalies struggled a little bit. Not, I mean, listen, it was the nature of the game. It was just the way the game was played, the shots from the point. If they weren't handled, there were people in front. There were people around battling to find those loose pucks. And both sides found those loose pucks from time to time. So I think it was one of those kind of games that I think the straight-on shots, the goaltenders would like to have back. I think every goaltender would tell you that. They don't like being beat short side. They don't like being beat under the bar, especially with angles. But there's some good shooters on both sides, too. So I think it had a little bit of that. Jack and I were talking this morning a little bit about it and said it was probably a 3-2 game dressed up as a 6-5 game. Yeah. You know, because And that's what the two games were last year. So, um, you know, when I look at it, it was still a one-goal game, but I think from a coaching perspective, they probably wouldn't like some of the goals. Number one, defensively with the coverage, and number two, I think if you ask both goaltenders, they would have liked to have a few more stops. But in the end, it was a battle right to the end, and uh, it took kind of almost a, 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 a play a long time in the offensive zone to kind of finally finish it off and win the game. But you know what? I... Um, I thought it was a great game. It was it was high paced. I thought both teams had their time in the offensive zone and sequences during the game where they were dictating play and creating chances, and the other team was on their heels. I mean, there was a three 
three and a half, almost four minute shift at the end of the second period where Edmonton hemmed in Boston. It's a four, two game. And they just couldn't get that next one. But you knew they were going to come out flying in the third period after that extended shift at the end of the period. They kind of felt like they'd swayed the momentum, and they had. And as a result, they were able to tie the game up 4-4. And then Pasternak with another laser through a screen, which, I mean, that's a 60-goal score taking that shot from a spot that he scored a lot of goals from. And then uh, Zach Hyman, guess who, right in front of the net, bangs in a rebound to tie it up. It was a great game. It was a fun game to watch. It was an emotional game. If you look at it, Bob, and you look back to the two games last year and this game already this year, and I'm kind of excited they're playing each other in two weeks again, there was a lot of chippiness to the game. For two teams that don't see each other very often, there was a lot of chippiness and emotion in the game. And I think what it is for me is I think they recognize looking across the pond, so to speak, looking from east to west saying, you know what? That's a good team over there. And I think Boston respects Edmonton in the same way. And when they come to play, they come to play almost like it's a playoff series. Like, we need to kind of set the tone to make them realize, hey, there's kind of a big dog on the other side, too. And it was a great game. Hey, how about the gamesmanship from Corey Perry? So Boston's down to five defensemen. The Oilers are flat. They got no juice going. And he picks a fight and takes Tyler Weatherspoon off the ice. And now Boston's down to 4D. Yep. And Charlie McAvoy plays over 30 minutes. Right. You know, it's it's uh, Corey Perry just has a real. For me, he's always had his finger on the pulse of the game throughout his career, and whatever it is, I mean, he was a terrific goal scorer in his career. He was, you know, a 50 goal scorer. You don't just score 50 goals in this league. I don't care who you are, even if you're having a hot season, it doesn't matter. You have to be a special player to do that. And he's a special player, but he's always been a player that's been in the mix, you know. And I think that's kind of the thing that that appeals two teams that have wanted him over recent years and why he's gone to well four Stanley Cup finals and went to three in a row with three different teams. I mean, that's incredible. And he wants to get to another one. So he picked Edmonton. This is a team that he feels, you know, has the ingredients with him on board to potentially take another run at this and get to the final. And you have to have players like that. You have to have players that have that ingredient to be able to say, okay, we need something right now. It doesn't necessarily have to be a goal. I mean, he scored a huge goal to make it 4-4. But we need something right now to kind of get things going because it's a 4-1 game, and this team has taken us over right now. We need to change the momentum, recognizing they were already down to five. Now, um, you know, when you look at it, for me, I think that a few guys took some runs at Weatherspoon. You got you got a little physical with McDavid early in the game. I saw yeah. Kanye give him a pretty good cross-check at the blue line one time, a little extra than he normally would. So he kind of had a target on his back a little bit, and that was the guy Corey Perry picked, and he wasn't going to take no for an answer. He deserved the two minute for the instigator. 100%. I said it right away. I said he's got to get the two minutes. If they wouldn't have given the instigator, I would have been like, are you kidding me? I mean, Weatherspoon's trying not to fight because he knows there's only five defensemen with Grass out, but he eventually dropped the clothes and he had a pretty spirited fight. I thought it was a great fight, and uh, but he got him off the ice for five minutes, and whether or not you think it, it did kind of change the flow it a little. Did. And, it did. Uh, you know what? They got a point out of it. They grinded to get a point out of that game. I've been really impressed with the third periods. I think that it shows me that this team, when when they need to, they can absolutely buckle down and play a game that not too many teams can contend with them. And that's a good sign moving forward down the stretch into the playoffs. But they've shown it for over two months now that they could do that. Any team that can ratchet it up to that caliber when they need to, 
Uh, that's pretty impressive, and that's a strong ability to have going down the stretch. Louie, you and Cindy go enjoy the game. Thanks for joining us on Oilers Now. Uh, all right, Bob. I'll see you tomorrow, bud. You bet. That is Louie DeBrus from NHL Hockey and Rogers for GCL Diesel. Guests and Oilers Now receive gift cards to Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite place to celebrate your special occasion. Try a Wagyu steak today. Dawn on the staff at Japanese Village. They do a great job. You can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780-496-0063. Get the new floors you always wanted. Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue. Open Monday to Saturday. Reed Wilkins is going to jump in with Brendan Escott at 620, and we're going to discuss, based on the game last night, is it apparent what the Edmonton Oilers need? John Shannon also at 635. You're listening to Oilers now. We have Reed Wilkins here. We have Brendan Escott here. Let's get right to it. Uh, and Brendan's shed a little bit of insight on this, Reed, so we're going to start with you. Sure. Last night's game, the loss, 6-5 in overtime. Did it clearly delineate to you what the Oilers need to do to acquire by the NHL trade deadline? What, what, did, it, did it clarify things from your perspective? I think that that sort of has been clarified for me recently. Now, again, I, I continue to insist that you got to add a defenseman. I mean, they've been so lucky that all these guys have played almost every game. But I think that somehow they got to position the forwards so they're a little bigger, more thorough, bigger, nastier, whatever, like beefier, whatever you want to call it. Harder to the old, harder to play against thing. I, I think they have a couple of guys playing, specifically last night, who would be great 13th, 14th forwards, who like in a pinch in a playoff game, they got to play. They got experience. They're smart. They got to play five to eight minutes. Okay, fine. But you, you can't have them playing all seven games in a series. Brandon, what do you think? On Skinner specifically? No, we're talking We're talking about what did you specifically get out of last yeah. night's game that made you think what do the Oilers need to do? Because, I mean, I didn't like how I thought Edmonton got it physically taken. They had no juice in their bottom six whatsoever, the Oilers, last night. I thought they got pushed around physically by Boston. I think they need to add at least two, and, and clearly they missed Nugent Hopkins. What about you? Yeah, well, for sure they missed Nugent Hopkins. I think if you have Corey Perry playing lower in the lineup, that's solves a lot of the uh, physicality problem because he's really he's risen to the occasion and is leading the charge I would suggest in that fashion right now how long that remains uh, in the case we'll see uh, but I agree with Reed I, I've maintained all along that when the horseshoe falls out of their behind and, and someone gets hurt on the back end I don't believe that they have the depth to withstand the likes of Vegas or Los Angeles or Vancouver this year for that matter in terms of a play off series so I think you need to add in a few spots and I haven't even talked about the fact that uh, you know I'm not saying Skinner's tired now but we still have a couple months left you know what's crazy Brendan about Skinner if you put Pickard on waivers he'd get claimed he would get claimed I in the league yeah, now he would I, I wouldn't have said that a couple of months ago what, right. now you would yeah uh I got to tell you, Reed. I think we're going to see the Oilers add two forwards, and I wonder if the Broberg situation, because it was reported by Daniel Lujamo, and we've hinted to this for the last two weeks, by the way. He's going to be out another couple weeks here, minimum, and which means he's not going to get any games in before. So, the- and who comes up right now? Gleason, and you're not bringing up a guy to be a seven. He's got to play. He's got to play. He's got to so play Gleason fifteen minutes a night, right? Um, they're going to need to trade for a guy, probably a veteran defenseman with some size that can play either side. This guy like that in Washington. Played with uh, Kulak in Montreal a couple years ago in the playoffs. 
Joel Edmondson. He's already been halved. He's in the UFA from the West. He might be the type of guy that might make sense. Somebody said, what about Bogosian? I think there's going to be a hard run on Bogosian. More need at forward or defense for you, Brendan? Definitely on defense because of the way that the the top end forwards can carry things. Uh, Defensively, uh, I'm worried that we're going to see some cracks in things sooner than later. I I still say defense too, Bob. Really? Just because, again, what what do you have after the six guys who are playing? At, At least with forwards... You have the luxury, not a luxury, but at least with forward. I mean, there are a lot of teams that are good teams that only might use 10 or 11 forwards. A lot. I mean, it's not ideal, and, and there are certainly shortcomings with the Oilers there. But, but man, oh, man, like, look who you're going to. You are going to players with literally no NHL playoff experience and, and in some cases, very little regular season experience if one of the current six defensemen goes down. I'm adding two forwards in one D, and I don't care if you don't have a single pick in the first five rounds of the draft. So I, I don't care. No, yeah. I, I, don't dis- I don't disagree with you, and I, I don't disagree with what you're saying about the forwards, but you, I'm just saying because you asked me to piss, pick a posi- position uh, set. Yes. <laughs> I still say that it's D. This is why I think Elliot's on to something when he talks about a, a team giving up a couple pieces in one deal. So I look at Washington, and if you're talking to me about Edmondson, fine. I want Nick Dowd, too. Yeah. How do we make that happen? Yep. Or Charlie Lilligren or, or whatever that goaltender's name is there. Maybe yeah. it's three of them yeah right there's got to be something that can be worked out on a team like that or if you're looking at anaheim you know you're talking i mean i guess the thing is if you're talking a player like if you look at dowd and edmondson that's three million bucks okay you can get them to eat half on that do you give up a first rounder for that not that knocks it down a million and a half dollars you can probably get there like you can, I I would think that that might do it. You know, it's only a million and a half for the rest of this year, and they're then they're eating half on Dow next year, and then he's a bargain at six fifty. You know, maybe you don't even have to throw a forward back in that situation. You're adding a, a third line right shot center and a depth defenseman in one trade. I'm with you. I think it's gonna. Or if it's Anaheim, maybe it's Henrik and Carrick in the same deal. You know, like right. that's that's kind of the way my head. I I would not be opposed to them adding Henry. If they add Henrik though, it's gonna be Fogel going the other way. You need to do that. I don't want to get rid of Fogel right now. That's the problem with trading. Like, look, Fogel has had a good season. I, I, I still, I will argue with anybody who says he's on pace for about forty-five, like seventeen goals and forty-five points. He's not a dispensable player, and I still see a lot of crapping on Cece. Okay, yes, there are better defensemen in the NHL than Cody Cece. There are a lot worse, too. He's had if you five... trade Cody Cece, there's a hole, unless you're getting an obvious, obviously better guy back. Yeah. And a deal like you're suggesting, Bob, where you give up some draft capital, a Broberg and that sort of oh. thing, and bring in a couple of players, now that is more reminiscent of what Tampa has done in the yeah, last I, several I, seasons where you're targeting specific I, holes. I wouldn't trade Bro. I would not trade Holloway or Broberg. Those are top 14 overall picks. I'd have no problem giving a team a first and a second if you could address two or three needs sure. immediately. Mm-hmm. I, I, and especially if they ate some of the money. Uh, Reed, you got about 30 seconds. What do you got coming up tonight on uh, Inside Sports? I won't even need all 30. We'll talk more Oilers. We'll hear from Skinner about the workload. We'll talk about the PK a little bit and just the general play lately. And uh, 
Gavin Hodnett, one of the dramatic goal scorers. <laughs> yeah, there were a couple. There you of, go. What a fun game that would have been from the Oil Kings. For people who don't know, they got two goals in the final minute to tie it and win it in the hockey hooky game. That's Reed Wilkins. He's got inside sports coming up. We're going to go to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn. Back with John Shannon.